Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. In this episode, we build with Elizabeth Trinkus. Elizabeth is the president of Pinnacle View, a life enrichment company, and the author of Enough Already, Yes, You Are. For over 25 years, Elizabeth has helped thousands of clients around the world take steps to live their best life. She is a certified workshop leader of the Lewis Hay Heal Your Life Principles, a certified success coach and trainer of the Canfield Success Principles, a certified pre-cognitive re-educator, and holds a BS in counseling. She is the co-author of Conversations on Success with Deepak Chopra and Success Simplified with Stephen Covey and others. Elizabeth has been bringing her expertise to corporations, schools, retreats, and individuals. She has the education, experience, and tools that will provide the opportunity for you to accept that you are already enough, followed by the inspiration to manifest those precious dreams. She provides the avenues for you to experience the ultimate human freedom, the freedom that comes from knowing you can design your own life and to live in your powerful new story. And I'm honored to have Elizabeth bring some of that here today on this podcast. Enjoy. Super excited to welcome Elizabeth Trinkus to the pod today. We have a very unique way that we got connected. My father-in-law and mother-in-law did a big road trip out west, drove throughout the whole country, and they rented Elizabeth's RV. (laughs) And so (laughs) uh, along with the RV came a book from Elizabeth that she had written. And as soon as my father-in-law and mother-in-law saw the book, they very kindly thought of me knowing that I would be very interested in the content of the book. And... I had to reach out to Elizabeth after this, and I'm so, so grateful to have you on, Elizabeth. Welcome. Thank you, Clay. I'm so happy to be here, and I love how we got connected also. It's a small world. It is. I love the synchronicities. I really do. I I live for them, so this is is exciting. All right. For the listeners and for me, we're going to get to know you with some fun would-you-rather questions. So would you rather live inside a musical or live inside a cartoon? A musical. Because of the creativity that's involved for the musical. And I think creativity busts us open, you know? It it, uh, makes us breathe deeper and think with more hope and uh, excitement for life. And there's, there's so much energy in a musical. Speaking of creativity... If you had a personal flag, what would be on it? Be yourself. Take time in finding out who that is. Any pictures, colors, 
yellow flowers. So the color yellow and uh, sunburst and flowers. If you could have water and one other drink for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Ooh, water. Um, in the morning, my spinach smoothie, but um, I love a good glass of champagne. <laughs> so which one Not are you going with? <laughs> well, I'm going to go with good champagne in the in the evening. <laughs> okay. I hate to take you away from your spinach smoothie, but I guess you can just eat spinach instead of grinding it up. There we go. I can have it all. <laughs> I love me a good spinach smoothie. I ask every guest this. How would you, Elizabeth, define a growth mindset? A growth mindset is being willing to listen to what you need. I think it's a real practice to slow down and be present so we can actually hear what we need. And what I found personally and with my clients is when we actually take that time, we can hear what we need and how we need to grow. And then how would you define your why or your purpose in life? My why is sharing tools to help people find more joy and balance in life and recognize that we're, we're just on this ride and we're all trying to figure it out. And there is no perfect and there is no arriving place. It is a day-to-day, moment-by-moment experience. And the kinder we are to ourselves, the more we're going to enjoy the ride. And what I mean by that is, is our self-talk. We, we have been trained to be very hard on ourselves and very judgmental. And we compare ourselves and we only compare up. And it takes the, the light out, the fun out, the joy out. And so when we, we practice listening to uh, what we're telling ourselves and telling ourselves a kinder story, we have the, the ability to enjoy the ride more. And I have the privilege of sharing those tools every day with my clients. And of course, I get to practice them too. I need That's them a too. Hey, we all do. And that's a wonderful why. And and I appreciate you kind of sharing and working your why today on this podcast, because I think we're going to uh, hopefully get into a couple of those tools and, and helpful hints that, that you have and that you've learned throughout your life. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. It's just small P perfect. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, I know you've had quite the journey personally, and it's led you to author books and to speak to thousands of people across the world. It all revolves around us being enough. That word enough, I know, will be said many times today. In fact, I know that one of your favorite quotes is, confidence comes from knowing you're enough. So at what point in your life did you realize that you were already enough? Well, I'll start with the fact that I really, really didn't feel enough for years and years and years. And I didn't feel smart enough in school or pretty enough on dates or funny enough with friends. And uh, I went to college, got a counseling degree, and I started working with people and realized that I wasn't alone with this concept that 
I don't feel enough. I always feel like I have to do more, be more, be more of this, be look more like this. And I discovered two things that I wasn't alone and there was a way to feel enough. And it's a practice. And I had, I was working with a coach also, I believe in, in getting, I, I, I am a coach, but I have a coach. And I was working with a coach at the time and I had the experience of me in my essence with all my perfect imperfections and my stuff off to the side. And what I mean by that is my, my insecurities, my feeling like I have to compete more, my feelings like I have to do more. And I just saw it as this human basket of, of stuff and stories, stories we tell ourselves. But I realized there was a me and there was the basket of stuff, if you will. And I had that experience and it was extremely profound. And I realized there's the me and my essence absolutely is enough. And I am, and we all are on this incredible journey of life, but we're not our stuff. And our stuff changes all the time. We let go of stuff, we take on new stuff, <laughs> but we're not our stuff. And our essence, our soul is already enough. And it was absolutely incredible experience. And it had me dive more into my coaching, counseling career. And I hold the mirror for others so they can see who they are without their stuff. And when people talk to me, I see them for who they are. And yeah, we all got stuff. But it's not who you are. It's not at your essence. How old were you when you saw the basket of stuff? I was 31. And what allowed you, what specifically allowed you to see your basket of stuff for the first time? I was being led on a guided visualization, which I, I use with all my clients and um, corporate teams and it's just a, a, a process of getting out of your head and into your heart because we spend all of our time in our head thinking the same thoughts over and over and over again. <laughs> and it'll just allow me to take a break from, from my head and my thoughts and get into my heart and take some deep breaths. It was very simple um, and very effective at being and I was ready too. That's that's the other piece of this. There, I was so ready to feel better, to feel better about myself. And I had done a lot of work previously before this uh, experience, but the readiness was there, and um, the opportunity to get out of my head, into my heart, and just go. You know what? We can enjoy this journey so much more when we're not in our head, comparing ourselves, striving. And it doesn't mean don't have amazing goals and go for them. It's not that. Enough is, a, is an essence piece. It's not don't do anything. I'm enough. I'm going to sit under the tree the rest of my life. But it's not a stopping. It's an actual going and really living life that's truly fulfilling. It isn't this, I'll be happy if... I do this, have this, I'll be happy when. Because we all know we, we've been very programmed to do that. And once we get to that 
place of when I have my job or when I have, uh, when I'm married or when I have kids or when we, we go on to this next happy instead of being present in the powerful present with our happy, if you will. And yes, having those dreams and goals, they're fantastic, but not placing our happy in some future event. There's so much I want to unpack here and I'm hopeful we have the time to do it. So if you're okay with it from like a timeline standpoint, so it, you can use yourself as the, as kind of the, the person or, or, a, or maybe a client, but you said that you went through this visualization process and that's when you saw the basket of stuff and it was just this big epiphany, like, oh my gosh, I do have, I, I can separate this. And I'm sure that there's a lot to, to work on once you realize that. But before that, you made a comment that before the visual, visualization, you had done a lot of work to get to that point, to be ready. Could you walk us through what are the couple of things that someone can do to be ready to then see that basket of stuff? You know, I've always been introspective and looking at what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. I'm a big... I, my, my, uh, big brother says I, I show up big with my feelings and they, I do naturally. So what I'm feeling, I feel in a huge way. And so I've always had my feelings right here. And so I naturally wanted to examine them. I naturally wanted to, um, I knew there was something more, but I didn't know what it was. So I was on a quest to discover how might I like myself more in this journey. And I didn't know it was that, but it, it is really a journey of liking ourselves and learning to love ourselves and being kind to ourselves. And I didn't know it was that. Um, we are trained in our culture to be so hard on ourselves and we're not trained to like ourselves. We're trained to like something out there and wish we were more like that. Cause if we are, maybe I'll feel better and it's all very unconscious. And so it was a journey to, Hey, I want to feel better. I want to, um, not be so hard on myself. I want to be kinder to myself. I worked with different counselors, which was really cool talking to different people. I did a lot of body mind connection classes, which is very helpful. And it's not an arriving place. I, I just really want to put that out there when I talk about this. This isn't a, in that moment I arrived. In that moment, I had the experience that I'm enough and you are enough. In that moment, I had the experience that we can shift those limiting beliefs. In in my book, it's called Doubting Dottie or Believing Betty. It's also Doubting Danny or Believing Bobby. And and we 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 ride around with these scripts in our head and mine was Doubting Dottie a lot of the time. And um, fear of if I was enough, fear of the future, fear is it going to work out, things like that that were just just always there until I was able to go, there's a me and then there are these thoughts and where are they coming from? And do we have the capacity to shift them? And the answer was yes. 
in order to shift them, we have to be present enough. And that's not easy for me and a lot of people because I like to go, 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 do, do, do. But being present, stopping, listening, that's when we know what we're telling ourselves. And if Doubting Dottie is running the show, I'm going to be desperate. I'm going to be efforting. I'm going to be trying to be enough. And if I can recognize that and align with believing Betty that absolutely lives within me and and you, Bobby, <laughs> believing Betty or Bobby, uh, if we align with that encourager part of us, that voice that knows what we would say to a best friend, then we're able to apply that voice for ourselves. That voice that says, you know what, you you absolutely are enough. And you know what? Your best is enough, which is my favorite affirmation. My best is enough. And when I remember that my best is enough, I can show up with so much more of who I am as opposed to who do I think I should be? How do they want me to be? Are they liking me right now? It, the other doubting Dottie voice that was exhausting. It sounds freeing. Very freeing. And it is a practice, Clay. I use it every single day. And I I will say the more you practice, the easier it gets. Just like anything, you're building a muscle. And so when I feel off, I will go quickly to what am I telling myself? And I'll notice the voice of the critic, the doubter, the not enough. And I will align as quickly as I can to the voice of the encourager. And and if I can't find the voice, again, I take it out of context. What would I tell a best friend? And I can get it whew, really fast then, just as anyone can, when we take it out of context. What would we tell our friend? And we apply that same those same words, that same energy. It it really is freeing. It's a good word you, you have. It, it is. It's... It's very, very freeing. And and we deserve this. We deserve to live lighter, more playful, more uh, less burdened by our own thoughts. Because we're doing this to ourselves and we forget it. You know, we, we, we think it's everything going, if everyone around me would behave, I would <laughs> feel better, be happy. But we, it's so often what, what we are telling ourselves and what we've learned. It's, it, there's nothing wrong with us, meaning for having those thoughts. These are passed down generation after generation. Um, it's, there's no one at fault. It's just, hey, it's, it's, it's wake up time. And we get to be kinder to ourselves and the practice of it really makes a difference. And I get to, again, I use the tools all the time and I get to share them with my, my clients all the time. And I feel really lucky to, to be able to do that. The conversation reminds me, Victor Frankl was a psychologist back in the day, wrote Man's Search for Meaning, was in death camps and he came away with basically we all are 100% responsible for what we think. But what Whoa. we, what we believe is that, you know, okay, let's say I'm driving a car down the road and someone cuts me off and then I get mad and I blame the other person for me being mad. Well, really, I, if we really think about it, I chose to be mad. 
I could have, I could have responded in any way. And it's this breakout of the word responsibility, your response, you have an ability to have yes. whatever response that you want. And I found that very, very interesting. And it frames things differently. And if, and I think about Viktor Frankl in his scenario, he talked about, they can, they can take my family, they can take my possessions, they can make me do all sorts of inhumane things. But what they, the only thing that they can't do that they can't touch is how I respond to things. Wow. And if someone in that situation can have that ability to have a positive or neutral response or whatever response he, he chooses to have in that situation, then if someone cuts me off or someone, you know, does something or whatever my response is, I can have 100% responsibility. And if I want to get mad, if I want to be frustrated, just recognizing that that's my choice. That is my response. I have the ability to respond in any way. The things you were telling me res- reminded me of that concept, and it's something I try to remind myself of frequently. It is a powerful reminder. And the Victor Frankl, the choosing of that, the power to choose and his ability to do that is is absolutely astounding and humbling and it stops us in our tracks that he in that situation could say that be that and then share that is is absolutely yeah it's it it takes my breath away it really does and then like you said we we have a responsibility and choosing how we respond is everything it really is. I love it. That was a great, great point, Clay. What's the most common rebuttal you get from your clients or people in your life as to why they don't think that they are enough? Because they don't feel it. And this is a, a huge teaching point in, in the work to, to not obey our feelings because uh, if we do, because we have all felt not enough for forever until we practice feeling enough. And we all know what that feels like. And it's a very strong feeling. It's a very strong muscle. And when someone starts the work, they don't feel it. And if they don't feel it, they're not believing it. So I remind them not to not to believe their feelings to not always trust our feelings. And I know that's can, can sound um, confusing, but if we believe, again, taking out of context helps. And if we can say for our best friend and they're going into um, a job interview and we remind them, you know what, your best is enough. Show up, be you, your best is enough. And if we can hold that for them, which we can likely do very easily, it reminds us that we can do that for ourselves. And with this enough feeling, um, in the book I, I wrote, let your feelings catch up with your truth statement. If somebody else you think is enough, it's like, yeah, you're enough. Go for it. Do this. If they are, you are. And it helps us start to unweave that, 
belief that somehow we're not, which is a, a very thick thread through all of our lives and is in our culture every every single day. So it's um it is a practice and the more you you practice it the more you feel it. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to dive into a comment you made earlier because I I think when a lot of people and myself included when I hear you're enough that makes me think that they're going to go sit under a tree and not be productive to themselves, to society, their family. And they're just going to say, Hey, I'm enough. Everything I've done to this point, I'm enough. So how do you balance being enough versus striving to be your best self? Mm-hmm. Great, great question. There are two different things and I absolutely understand how they can get confused. Um, being enough is a, is a state that we, we naturally are, our essence, our soul is enough. And it, it means that we get to be kinder to ourselves. It means that our best is enough and that's going to look different on different days. Um, and it, we still get to have amazing dreams and goals. It isn't an arrival place or a giving up. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's an, it's an embracing of ourselves with all of our imperfections. So we are, we are perfectly imperfect and still enough. Uh, it's not about being perfect. It's not about arriving. It's not about having it all together. That's, that's part of the problem um, that our culture saying we have to have it all together before we go on a date or before we do this job interview. And we don't, we get to, we get to be, do our best. And that really, really is enough. And when my experience personally and professionally is when people have aligned more with their enoughness, if you will, they dream even more. Their dreams and goals grow based on that because there's less of the doubter, if you will. There's less fear saying, you can't do that, you can't have that. It, it has an opposite effect of, you know, the, the people wanting to sit under the tree, if you will, are because they don't feel enough. Um, but when you feel enough, there's you'll get on stage and it doesn't mean you won't trip and fall, but you're going to get back up and you're going to be on stage. If you will, um, you're less worried about doing it just right, which stops so many people from taking those steps of starting their own job or moving into this relationship or getting on stage literally or figuratively because they, they know they get to show up the best they can and that's enough. And it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect because it just isn't. As we both know, doing podcasts and, and many things can happen, but you have the courage to show up and do it and make it happen. And, um, and it isn't about being perfect. It's that you're absolutely enough and you have this gift to share and, that courageous part of you has you being vulnerable and putting yourself out here and 
interviewing people. And so it's, it's a, it's an opportunity to expand your life with more joy and messiness. Life gets messy. It's not about being neat and perfect, but it allows you to dream bigger. It allows you to, to literally have more courage to um, fulfill that dream as opposed to the oppression of not, of feeling not enough. If that's the, if that's the radio station, if you will, that you're listening to, you know, we really want to change the station. Yeah. And it, it gets me thinking about our reaction to other people or our fear of what other people think. Yes. I would imagine that doubting Dottie or doubting Dan are both a majority of that for a lot of people is, well, what if my friend thinks this, or what if my coworkers think this, or what if this group of people thinks this Yes. and tell me where I'm wrong here, but I'm inferring that us recognizing that we are enough can free us to almost ignore how other people respond because if we are acting in a enough way, a genuine, authentic way, whoever we are as a person, we will attract the people that we want to be around and therefore free ourselves to, to be that genuine and authentic person and then strive after those goals and the dreams that whatever they may be. Yes. Yes. It really, it, it allows you to align with your courageous self so much more. And it does, it turns down the voice of what are they thinking about me and how am I showing up here? Um, I, when I was growing up, I was, I was, I call myself the chameleon because I could figure out what people liked and I could be like that really well because I was so scared of not being liked. I was so scared that I was not enough. I was so afraid that I wouldn't be accepted. And so I, I was excellent at being the chameleon, knowing that I'm enough. The practice of that has me turning down the voice of how am I showing up here? And it doesn't mean it doesn't show up. It does. I do have the voice of, I hope I'm good enough. I hope you like me. I hope this is okay. It does. It's very human to have that. It's that I have a choice then. How, just like you said earlier, Clay, how am I going to respond to that? Am I going to put on my chameleon outfit? No, let's leave that way over there. We don't have to do that anymore because we get to show up and, and you are enough. And it doesn't mean, again, it's going to be perfect or not messy, or I won't forget my lines, if you will. Um, it means that it is enough. There is an enoughness there and it has me worrying less about what they are thinking of me and it allows me to show up more. Like we're using so much less energy. If, if our, if our life is a pie and there's eight pieces and before I was using all eight pieces, worried about what people were thinking. And now I realize I have the choice on how to respond to that when it shows up and go, you know what? 
I'm enough. And yeah, a couple of slices are going, you know, of my energy are being used there. And I'm just reminding myself, I get to show up. And when I do, there's so much more of me, meaning our creativity comes through more clearly. Our essence comes through more clearly. Um, like you said before, the people we're um, going to attract in our lives like us for that. Um, and because they get to see the real us instead of the uh, working, you know, we're, we're working so hard to, um, to be enough. So it's a, it's a very graceful shift. It is a practice, um, but there's so much grace in it um, that absolutely leads to more joy and ease in everyday life. You've worked with a lot of people in your life. And I know you've gone through this journey without naming names, are you able to share an example or a story of someone that is, that you've seen go through this journey and how they've gone from realizing they're enough to actually having those bigger dreams, those bigger goals that you mentioned? Oh yeah. Let's see. I get to choose. Um, I, I worked with a woman in corporate America. She showed up. She's like, I'm a perfectionist. I've got two kids. I'm trying to be the perfect mom. I'm trying to be the perfect wife. I sh I'm working here full time at this corporation. I'm exhausted. There's no me. There's, there's no me. I am spinning my wheels. Yes, I'm checking the boxes over here, but I'm not feeling the joy. I'm not feeling the enjoyment. And uh, we worked on where are you in this picture? You know, here, here's your life that you just described to me. Where are you? She wasn't really there. She was doing a great job checking all the boxes, but she wasn't doing any kind of self-care for herself, any type of time for her. And because before there was, you know, in her mind, there wasn't time or that would be selfish to do that. And so she started, it was, it wasn't easy. It's because the old story says, no, you, there are all these things you should be doing for work and family here when she started to take time for her. And so she was recognizing, being present, recognizing those thoughts and really believing little by little, step by step, breath by breath, that if she took care of her, she was going to feel better. She was going to like life more. And that that ripple is going to affect all these areas of her life. And she did. And she started slowly because it's, it's a tough switch from there isn't a me, I'm here for everybody, to, oh my gosh, the audacity to take time for me, the audacity to take a to take time for a yoga class or a walk by myself in the woods or I'm going to go get a massage um, once a month on Friday afternoon and you guys order out the audacity and little by little little by little she was taking her back and really bringing in more joy and she said there was more fun in her family there was more play built in there was more joy built in she uses the tools all the time and it's made a difference for her her husband uh, their relationship the kids and uh, another thing that we weren't taught is to really take care of ourselves and how self-care is absolutely paramount and these these tools that I, I teach and many exercises in the book are about 
the importance of self-care. And we have to fill our cup in order to be able to give. We have to fuel ourselves in order in order to give. Thank you for sharing that. That's contextualizes a lot for the work that you do and that you, you help others. And what tool comes to mind that you could share that maybe a listener could, could take away and, and start thinking about and, and leveraging in their everyday life? So I'm a big fan of morning rituals and, um, a morning ritual can be a walk in a, on the woods. It can be sitting quietly with your coffee or tea, but it's time by yourself. So the tool is A, carving out some alone time. B, being present. When we're alone, we have the ability to be present more. Not that there aren't distractions. I'm a very distracted, excitable girl, everything that's going on around me. But taking the moment to be present because when we are present, we know what we're telling ourselves. And that's when we can ask ourselves, what do we need? And when we ask, we hear. I, I close every session I do with my clients with, what do you need? And they come up with something. In the beginning of the session, they don't. Because we're in our head and it's very human for us to be in our head. And we're striving and doing and going and moving quickly. And at the end of the session, we've moved into our heart. We've grounded our energy and we can hear. We can actually hear our wisdom. We're these amazing, wise, intuitive creatures. And people love realizing that they're wise and intuitive. They're like, oh my gosh, I actually do hear. I need to take time for me. I need to take time and relax in a bath. I need to take I need to take this time to do this. That's going to fuel my soul. Um, again, being in nature is huge. It's a quick, quick, quick gift that we have almost anywhere, even if it's walking outside and putting your face in the sun for five minutes and taking deep breaths. Yeah. And I know there's many other tools, a lot of them in your book, which we'll link in the show notes, but I love that. I, I personally need to be better about morning ritual. My mornings look different all the time, but I do love my mornings when one of the first things I do is go stand on my front porch and just let the sun hit me or go on a walk without headphones and just be attempt to just be and be present. Beautiful. But I'm not great at it, but I do That's really so enjoy right. those moments. It's a, oh my gosh, is it a practice clay? It really, really is. So you're, you're good at it because you've done those two things. You know, it isn't about the, uh, being perfect at it. It's the, it's the knowing, just like you said, the knowing, you know, I'm stopping for a second and putting my face in the sun. You know what? I'm going to go for a walk and not just now I'm going to listen to myself instead of nothing wrong with listening to your favorite song or podcast or everything else while you're walking, but taking the time to listen to you and what you need is such, is such a gift. And just when when one can carving out the time is is a great gift and and living unhurried that's one of the yes. concepts that's really been in the forefront of my mind the last year and a half is is a book by John Mark Comer called the ruthless elimination of hurry that really hammered home how much of a hurry we are in yes. and the ability to slow down be present take time for ourselves is hard in this 
society. Yes. Because you do have all these roles you feel like you need to fill for your, to be a friend, to be a wife, to be a husband, to be a father, a mother, a grandmother, a babysitter, a worker, a volunteer, whatever, all the roles that you fill in your life. And I found for myself that I was always putting myself very low on that totem pole, which yes. then I wasn't filling that cup up that you mentioned earlier, Elizabeth, and therefore had struggles sometimes giving some back and living unhurried helps so much to tr attempt to be present, to attempt to give yourself space to, you know, find that basket of stuff you mentioned earlier. And it's a concept that I preach now to my, to a lot of my friends to, to attempt, even if it's just a couple minutes a day, just try not to be in a hurry, try to not have yeah. some distraction. And it's, it's hard with the society it we is. live in. It is, it is, you know, just recognizing that, that it is, it is so challenging, especially with our society. And it's only going to get faster, if you will. It's only, we're only going to hurry up more with, with our gadgets and what we know and what we have the ability to do. And, and so taking the time, making the time is such a gift. It really is. So you've been in this space for a long time. Um, I, I'm curious, what are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession or area of expertise? You know, one that that really bugs me is when <laughs> is this teaching <laughs> of being fearless. It just bugs the crap out of me. And the reason it does is... I believe fear has a place, A, and B, I believe that so many people stop themselves because they don't feel fearless and they try to feel fearless before they do that thing, if you will. So there's this big thing about, you know, girls being fearless and I'm like, no, it's, you get to be afraid and being afraid doesn't mean there's something wrong. You know, there's the... There are times when fear takes care of us and we get the heck out of there. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that person who wants to speak up in class, if you will, and they're afraid and they're waiting to feel fearless where there's no fear and then I'm going to do it. Or that person who has a message and they've been invited to speak in front of a group and they're like, no way, I'm, I, I'm still really afraid to do that, so I'm not going to do it. The fear doesn't go away by the not doing it. So I really believe in aligning with our fear and stepping out in front of the group and being afraid and feeling your knees knock and being wondering if you're going to remember what you're supposed to say and doing it and then recognizing that you can do it and recognizing that you showed up for yourself. You showed up and that is tremendous. You showed up for your life. Fear gets smaller then, not by not doing it. I had some friends ask me to run a half marathon from them with them many, many years ago. And I was so afraid when they asked we were going to meet for dinner in Chapel Hill. And I didn't even show up for dinner. I mean, I was annoyed that they asked me because they're runners. I'm a walk runner, like Max was three miles. I realized walking around and I was already teaching this stuff 
I was like, well, what are you afraid of? What's really going on here? And I didn't want to listen. I didn't even want to know because I was afraid. And I was like, what if I can't do it? What if I don't finish? What if? And it's like, well, you can stop or you can get carried to the end. You know, there's a wagon that picks people up if you can't. It, like, what's really happening here? And the short of it is I chose to be really afraid, fly to Phoenix with them, show up and run this race. And it was transformational because I showed up, because I didn't wait till I wasn't afraid before I was going to run a race, if you will. And they were very helpful in this. They were, they were my coaches, me, you know, not professional coaches, but they were my, my life coach, if you will, in that, in that moment and very, very helpful. And I, I gave myself permission to show up and that's all you, you don't know if you're going to finish, you don't know. And you're not going to run with them because they'll be way ahead and finish long before you. Anyway, it's not why you're here, but you're going to get together afterwards. And I did, and I finished it and I ran it and I had no idea I could physically, emotionally, spiritually do such a thing. And it was such a gift to not wait, if you will, to where there isn't fear before you're going to show up for life. You don't have to run a marathon, but it may be a speaking up. It may be applying for that job. You're, you're afraid of rejection or asking that person out, but you're afraid. Be afraid and show up no matter how it's going to look because your soul will love it. Your soul will love that you showed up and it's not showing up and finishing a race because I could have stopped halfway through and I swear I still would have loved that I flew there and, and attempted to because that was everything. It's the showing up. So getting back to your question, don't go with the fearless thing. Be afraid and show up for your beautiful life. I, I love asking this of people like you. Is what, what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And as you think about this, it could be an investment of money, time, energy. What comes to mind? You know, it's a it's all of the above: uh, money, time, and energy. And I was invited to go to a mastermind retreat at Jack Canfield's house a few years back. And Jack Canfield is the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And it's a small group of people. There were 12 of us. And I was so excited. And it was a lot of money for me to do this. And I was so excited packing, going. I had my manuscript with me. It wasn't quite out yet. And I got to the purpose of it was for people to come together and share where you are, whether you're writing a book or you have an idea of starting a business and you get to talk with Jack, but you get to talk with other like-minded people. And so I was really, really excited. And the morning of, I'm in my hotel room, the van's going to pick us all up, drive us up to Jack's place. And the morning of Doubting Dottie was louder. I had just, you know, finished writing my book about it. And I had the biggest Doubting Dottie moment experience of my lifetime. I was paralyzed. I was sitting there. I was going, why am I here? Jack's not going to like me. 
he's not going to think my book is good. These people are going to think I'm uh, an imposter. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I, I literally was using the tools in my book and I stopped and I paused and I got to observe the thought that doubting Dottie over here, who was scared, she was scared. I won't use the word because we're, because I don't want you to have to edit it out of your podcast, (laughs) but she was really scared. And I took a moment to find out what would the encourager say? What would Believing Betty say, if you will? What would you tell a friend? And the truth is, if I was going to tell a friend, and it helps, helped me so much, is you're not here for Jack to like you. You're not even here to have Jack like your book. You're not here for these people to like. You're here to learn and grow. You showed up by making this investment. Body, mind, spirit, bank account, everything. You showed up. And you get to go and you believe in magic and miracles. And there's going to be amazing miracles that will come out of this. You don't have to know what they are. And, oh my God, you don't have to, you don't have to try to be perfect. You're already enough. And I was able to sit there and shift from the doubter to the believer. And it didn't mean that those thoughts didn't come up when I was in the van or when I got to the house and I was doing my introduction in front of Jack and everybody. It didn't mean it didn't show up, but it showed up so much smaller than, hey, I'm just not, I'm just going to go to the Santa Barbara beach. I'm not even going to his house, which could have happened. Or going and, and dialing it back, not shining. Because every thought we have has an action and an action has an outcome. So the T-A-O, Thought, action, outcome, like the Tao. Like, if I think I'm not enough, I'm going to act not enough, and my outcome is going to be not enough. And I'm not going to share who I am and all all my imperfections and all my fears and all my, this is my book, and it took me so much longer to write. I didn't even want to write the book, but my clients, at when I, they would come back from beach retreats, would say, you got to write, you've got to put these tools in a book. And I didn't even want to write a book. But I, year after year after hearing that, I wrote it. And it took me a long time. It took me way longer than the other people in the room. And But I showed up. And it was extraordinary. And it, to date, is my, is my best investment. Because my soul loved that I showed up. And speaking of books, what are, what's an example of a book that has greatly influenced your life? Two come to mind. I love I love the simplicity of the four agreements with Don Miguel Ruiz. Love, love, love it. And one of the agreements is our best is enough. Love that. The other book is uh, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And she goes into detail about reminding ourselves that we, we are imperfect, we get to be imperfect, and that we get to um, show up for our show up for our lives anyway. And I think it's just a wonderful message and she's reaching so many people with that Perfect. and many of her, her other books. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two. I have read some of Brene Brown's other work. I have not read that one. So that'll, I'll add that to the list as well as the four agreements and we'll link it in the show notes and everything to make sure others find those. All right. Last question for you. Maybe a fun one. What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? <laughs> 
Greg and I did buy a sweet RV, a, um, a used Winnebago RV last year. And we love camping before our RV. We had a pull behind camper. And what I love is at the end of the evening and the embers are dying down in the fire and I turn the lights off and the sitting under the canopy of stars is astounding to me. You'd, you'd think it's like I've been taken somewhere to an exotic island, but I'm at Jordan Lake in our, you know, 30 minutes from our house. It is incredible. And it's just sitting in nature. And nature, if we let it, is a profound healer. And it heals our emotions. It heals traumas. It heals, it brings us, it centers us, literally. And it's so overlooked, you know. We have it all, you know, around us all the time. It's it's not exactly absurd, but it it comes to mind when you ask that because it's a it's an unusual thing and it's very very effective. I was right there with you the whole time, Elizabeth. I was feeling the <laughs> the, the the burn of the embers the night. I heard the crickets, like all of that. I was right there with you. So great visualization for us to end with. And last thing I do want to ask is. There's a, I think there's a lot of things that you put out there. You got books, website, coaching, retreats. Like, where's the best place for a listener to to access you, access your work? Where would you like to direct them? Oh, thank you, uh, LizRetreats.com, and you can forward slash go to the calendar page, and it lists uh, upcoming retreats and. Uh, I'm just uh, putting in my 2023 retreats now, so um, they will be in there. I do um, pontoon cruises on Jordan Lake once a month. People take people out for a sunset. We always see eagles, which is astounding, and watch the sunset, and people feel like they've been on vacation, and they've just been out in the water for two hours. I often have spots for one-on-one -on -one coaching that open up just at the right time for people. And I love, love that. So it's all there. And um, you can also sign up for my newsletter on the website. And um, just delighted to who who crosses my path. And, uh, and, and again, the synchronicity of that, because I believe it's all it's it's all perfect small p perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect, Elizabeth. Well, I'll make sure to link all of that for the listeners. And I'm just so grateful for your time. So grateful that we had the random connection uh, through the RV you just mentioned. So, yes. um, you know, so thankful for that. Thankful for your time yes. and for being vulnerable and sharing all that you shared today. Mm -hmm. um, I have no doubt someone's going to leave a little bit different in a positive way. Thanks to, to everything you said. So we've built with Elizabeth Trinkus. Elizabeth, thanks for being on. Thank you, Clay. You do beautiful work and really thank you for this opportunity and um, how it makes a difference for so many people. So, so well done to you. Bye-bye. Hey listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests.
For more content, you can find Build With Clay on Instagram at buildwithclay. And head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.